Ion 2020, episode 343. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. Hey guys, Ray Eaton here, your host of Eye on 2020. I appreciate you listening and joining me for another week looking at this crazy world that we are living in. That's right, 2020. Uh, I've been covering the news and the related events of 2020 as well as the election from a libertarian standpoint. So that is what we're going to continue to do throughout the rest of 2020. Uh, just haven't really decided how I am going to proceed with the rest of the uh, with the rest of the year or going on with the, with the podcast, just because I have some career moves that I've, uh, been making and stuff and not sure that I'm going to have too much time on my hands, but I'm going to try to continue to do the show. I uh, haven't really figured out how I'm going to work that into my schedule. I might bring it down to one day a week going into 2021. I'm not sure. Uh, I might do some, the name change as well, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I appreciate those that continue to listen. I will continue to put out episodes as I can, uh, I think I can still do them two days a week for a little while, or at least for another week or two. Uh, but I, like I said, I got a couple of career or a career move that's that I'm doing right now, and I just want to make sure that I am 100% focused on that. So uh, that's what I'm going to be looking looking at for a while. Uh, but anyway, I, let's go ahead and jump right in. Uh, I'm not going to keep this episode too long today. Uh, I was out this weekend, all weekend. I was I actually went to a uh, a football game down in Florida. I went to the Florida Gators versus Arkansas game, and it was really interesting the way that they did the seating. It was set up where you had four, like we had four seats for my family, and then there was about six feet away. There was two more seats and so forth on down. It was like four and then two, then four, then two. But it was, uh, you know, 16,000 fans instead of about usually like 90,000 fans or so fit into that stadium. So they were doing the whole social distancing thing and all that. And I was thinking, wow, this is the greatest experience I've had at a football game in the sense of being able to be comfortable and sit down and go to the bathroom and use the bathroom and all that. Um, but that's not sustainable. That is not sustainable. If they were going to decide to do social distancing all the time, or if the government wanted to get into a situation where they were always concerned about COVID-19 and other diseases that spread, so they wanted to kind of keep people apart and so forth, uh, that, that would not be sustainable. Uh, the stadium was built based upon the fact that they could bring in tickets for 80,000 people on a consistent basis. Uh, football stadiums and NFL, same thing. They're not even doing, they don't even have fans in the stadium for the NFL, for college. If you go into Big Ten, they're not, like that's up in the Northeast if you're not familiar with football or with college football. In the Northeast, the Big Ten Conference, they're not having any fans. I think the Pac-12, which is out West, they're not having any fans either. The SEC the, is uh, the one that's having fans. Maybe the ACC as well, I'm not sure. Um, 
I'm trying to remember. Yeah, there was some fans of the ACC games as well. In the Big 12, they're doing some they're doing some fans as well. So it's uh, usually 20% capacity or 25% capacity, depending upon where they're at. And everything is based around a certain amount of revenue coming in from the fans, from the ticket sales, from the concession sales, and all that stuff. And over time, in the long run, if they took out loans to build this stuff based upon a certain amount of revenue coming in from the fans, spending money when they're there, and all the, all the stores around there, all the restaurants around the stadiums, they built based upon the idea of having fans coming in as well during those game days. <clears throat> Everything's based around that sort of economic model. And then if we're sitting there looking at a continued lockdown or a continued social distancing measures at these large group events, that's not going to be sustainable. And it's going to be very terrible for college football. It's going to be very terrible for NFL football. It's going to be terrible for all sports and outdoor events and indoor events that are large-scale events as well, concerts, things like that. It's just not sustainable. And uh, I just imagine how much money has been lost this year based upon that. Like the NBA, they did their playoffs. They did the final part of their season in playoffs in a bubble with no fans. They still got the ad revenue and stuff like that, but I don't know that people paid attention that much to the NBA once it started back up. Yeah, people maybe talked about it. There was probably people that watched some of it, but if uh, if all the fan revenue, I think 30 or 40% of revenue for a football team or a sporting team is based upon the revenue that comes from... Uh, the actual live games, then you're looking at a situation where they're going to be taking huge losses. And like I said, it's not sustainable going forward. Um, yeah, it was great. It was a great fan experience for me being able to sit there just chilling, having a good time uh, with my family, with you know not having to be squished in like we normally are. That's always uh, that's always the most uncomfortable part of being in a football game. But and we did pay a little bit more for the ticket as well. But because you only have a certain amount of tickets that were offered, so you had a situation where uh, people are willing to pay a little bit more for those tickets. But still, I think that in the long run, they do need the revenue from the beer, from the food. Oh, they actually sold beer at this one, which usually in college they don't. But um, maybe they started selling the beer to make up some more revenue because literally $7 for a damn can of beer, that was insane. And $9 for like a wine spritzer for my wife, you know, that was pretty, that was pretty, uh, pretty intense stuff when you're paying seven bucks I mean, it costs seven bucks for a six pack of beer so uh, they were definitely making their money on those beers especially when there was a long line uh waiting for them so anyway but yeah it's not sustainable uh but you know what that's the thing that's what i want, what I want to talk about today as well is that we are looking at a number of lockdowns now we're looking at a situation where the number of cases the case count is spiking now is the case count spiking? Because I still see that it's around 10% of people that are infected or that are tested are actually coming out positive. So around 10%, that's the number. If you're tested and there's a one in a 10 chance that you're going to have it, if you go get tested, they're doing one and a half million tests per, per day right now. One and a half million tests, that's in the United States, a million and a half tests per day. So you're going to have about 150,000 people that are testing positive. Now, during the summer, they were doing around a million tests a day. So they've ramped up. They started off back in April 
they were doing about 100,000 tests a day, then they got up to 200,000, then they got up to 300,000, and eventually, over the summer, they got up to a million tests a day. <clears throat> and you're having tests done everywhere. So places where the coronavirus hasn't really made a huge impact yet, because viruses spread across regions, not all at once. Like, for example, if New York is spiking. That doesn't mean that Wisconsin is spiking. That doesn't mean that Colorado is spiking. These just like the flu, you'll see on the maps with the flu, the way that it spreads. It'll start in the northeast, and then it might spread its way down into the south, and then it eventually makes its way over to the west, and so forth. Like, you can see on the maps how they spread. And, and then they kind of go away. New York will go, like, if you look at the flu, the people that get the flu powerful first, the first, you know, the case where the cases are high in, of the flu, if they're in the northeast, when eventually it'll go away in the northeast first. So this just the way that viruses spread across the nation is different. And back in April, when it's peaking in New York, it wasn't peaking in Colorado. They're doing two or three hundred thousand tests a day, and that's about it. And then eventually they start doing, you know, they're doing a million tests across the entire United States. So you have this huge ramp up of testing going on in the United States in places where the coronavirus hasn't really hit that hard yet. And now it's starting to hit really hard in the Midwest. But if you look at the maps, it's hitting hard everywhere. Like you're starting to see case counts go up. You're also starting to see hospitalizations go up. You're starting to see death counts go up. <clears throat> so in reaction to that, the, a lot of the states now are starting to relook at lockdowns. And I said this originally, lockdowns, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn on it because I think that in a sense, a strategic area where case counts spike or whatever, maybe having some situation where there is a active part on the people to say, you know what, everything's spiking here and where I'm at, where I'm living, let's say you're living in um, Atlanta, Georgia, and there's just a huge spike that's going on there. Maybe the local leaders and people say, hey, why don't we do this? We're just going to, you know, let, let's spend two weeks and just chill. Let's just relax for two weeks. And they don't have any sort of hard lockdown by any means, but they just get the message out there and say, hey, we're having a huge spike here. Everyone be responsible, right? But I think even if you do that, if there's a spike already happening, like it takes seven to 10 days before you even have symptoms for this thing. So if you're starting to see a spike of, you know, 10,000 people in your, or, you know, 500 people in your city that have it, five, 500 cases a day in your city, then you're already in a situation where, well, they probably caught it seven to 10 days ago, especially if they're symptomatic at that point. So if you're catching it before the, or during the spike, most likely, then you're on the peak and you're going to start going down soon. Because I was looking at some numbers as well. And if you're, it, it, like the first spike in April lasted about five weeks. And that's in New York City. So if you look at the first spike, if you look at the death count, that's almost all New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts, Connecticut, places where it got hit the hardest. So if you look at that huge death death count 
back in April. That's almost all the Northeast. <clears throat> and then you get the summer spike is the Southeast. The Southeast was hitting in the summer and the death count didn't go up that high compared to the original death count. So if you've all, but that one lasted about seven or eight weeks. So that spike lasted seven or eight weeks, but you have a much larger area. You have Florida that they're considering the South. So Florida, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, or yeah, Arkansas, Louisiana, Texas, basically is what they consider the South, right? So if they're saying there's a huge spike in the South during that time, which there was, I mean, that's a huge area compared to the Northeast. And population-wise, it's probably more people as well. So you're in a situation where you're having these different spikes and so forth, but the spike lasted about eight weeks, but that's only because it was a larger area during the summertime. But now, how long is this spike going to go up? Because I'm sitting there looking at the, at the graphs, right? And it is showing the number of cases is dramatically rising, but the number of tests are dramatically rising as well. So how much are the cases going up versus the tests? That's the biggest thing. Well, there is definitely, it is showing that. It's not just because they're doing more testing that there's the cases are rising. And the only reason why I say that is because you're also seeing the hospitalizations go up. And then you're also seeing the death count go up for COVID-19. Now we could all say, oh, well, the, you know, these people are just being, they're just saying that they died of COVID when they really died of a heart attack or whatever. No, a lot of those people are dying because of COVID as a factor, as a dominant factor. So I'm not going to, you know, lower that standard at all. But with all these things going up, we're already at a point where the spread already happened. And as most, as a lot of it's in the Midwest right now. In the Midwest is where the large amount of the spread is going on. The South is going on too, and same with the Northeast but not as much as in the as in the Midwest. So that's where it's spreading the most right now. And you're going to see death counts go up as well over the next couple of weeks. But it's been going on since like middle of October, so you're starting to see that see that spike go up. So how long does that last? I'm I'm assuming based upon the last spike that you're going to have a wave go through about the early to mid December or so. And then it's going to start coming down again. That's my assumption. I don't know if it's true, but I'm just looking at it. And that's just what I'm, that's the way that I see it. But we're having the, just because that's the way, that's the way that the waves have happened. Now, during the summertime, you had the spike and nobody went back to lockdowns. Nobody went back to these hard lockdowns that you saw in April and in May. Nobody did. South Carolina didn't. North Carolina didn't. Florida didn't. Florida laxed it. Georgia laxed theirs as well. Like, Everyone kind of went back to business as usual in the Southeast, even during their spike. And will that happen again uh, going into November and December with this current spike? I don't know. I think that you're going to start seeing more lockdowns because everyone's getting freaked out and scared. And they're saying, oh, it's going to be this huge wave and we're going to see the worst part of it over the next month or two. I would say... By January, this thing might have gassed itself out. And I'm just purely speculating, but you're seeing the way that it's going around these different areas. And New York won't see as huge of a spike as they saw originally, I don't think. 
I bet they might, you know, I don't know. It's, it's so hard to predict with the way that the reporting is going on, the way that people are freaking out, the way that um, every single data analysis point is taken with this virus, which they don't do that with the flu. They don't do that with other things. So it's really hard to tell the way that the the next couple months are going to be. But I, I am not an advocate for lockdowns at all. It destroys people's economy. It destroys people's lives. And I'm going to go back to the idea that says that if you are a high-risk person, you need to take control of your life. And you need to stay out of situations where it's a high-risk environment. Because even in the most locked down scenarios, you're having the spread of this virus. If you go into a nursing home that is following all of the rules, and I know this from personal experience, I'm not going to get into it, but there are people who are in nursing homes and these this is a controlled environment where they are doing everything they can to protect these people that are older. And they're doing testing on a regular basis. They're testing the frontline employees. They're just doing what they can to protect these people. They're, if they're having visitors, they're behind a curtain. If they're having, um, you know, if they're getting their food, it's being left at their door. Like everything is being done to control this environment. And in a nursing home situation, you're still getting the virus in there and people are dying. They're doing what they can in the most meticulous ways to protect these people, yet the virus still gets in there and runs rampant. And once people, once it's in there, it's hard to stop it. And I know this from personal experience. So even in that situation, you can't stop it. Imagine the governor saying, oh, we're going to lock everybody down. I mean, there is no way to just lock everybody down in that environment, you're still going to have neighborhoods that get together. You're still going to have people that get together on the green of their neighborhood or on the road or when they're walking and they're going to be talking. They're going to do it. They could work as hard as they can to say, you're locked down. You can't leave your house except to go to the grocery store. Well, people are going to stop at the grocery store. They're going to spread the virus there. The worst place, to, the worst thing to do is to say, all right, Everybody's locked down, but you can go to the grocery store because then the spread happens at the grocery store. But in the most meticulous environments, they cannot stop the spread. Look at college football. They're testing these guys three, four, five days a week, and they're still having the spread in the college football scenario as well. In the NFL, same thing. They're canceling games. They're postponing games and so forth in the most meticulously controlled environments. Because this fact is that people are people and people are going to do what they do. So we're in a situation where it's going to be very hard to control something that already has community spread. So do you lock everybody down? No. It needs to come to the education of letting people know that if they are high risk to stay at home, if that's the case. If you're a high risk person, that's what you need to do. That's the only place where, that's the only way to protect more lives, per se. If you just lock people down, 
I don't know that that protects lives because as soon as they say, all right, let's lax these lockdowns, everyone goes out and parties. That's what happens. But if you have a situation where you're just educating the public and saying, hey, listen, you know, we're getting a spike here. Let's all kind of control ourselves, maybe not, not go to those parties and stuff. And then, by the way, if you are over 65, let's go in and make sure that you um, are aware of the, the risks and then go ahead and, uh, and, you know, lock yourself down, per se. If you are a fan of lockdowns, lock yourself down. Don't ask me to, you know? But anyway, I don't want to go much, much longer on that. Uh, we've talked about this a lot in the past. I don't want to be the COVID-19 channel by any means. But I'm just uh, concerned about the next couple of months just because the way that the government can react to this thing, the way that these governors, these politicians who really risk nothing if they if they lock you down. There's no risk to them because they can. this is what they can say. Okay, so I locked you guys down. Thank God I saved a hundred thousand lives yesterday, or the, you know, when they go when they go to get reelected. Oh, you know, we locked everyone down. We saved a hundred thousand lives. Or if I locked everyone down and nothing happened, oh look, I saved a hundred thousand lives. Or if I locked people down and ten thousand people died, oh look, you know, it could have been a hundred thousand lives. Like no matter what they win with the lockdown, if they don't lock down, on the other hand, if one life, if one person dies, then they're a loser. Oh, look, I didn't lock down and, and a thousand people died. A hundred people died. And then they're a loser by, by that. So there's no cost to them to say, let's lock everybody down. There's no cost. It's like, there's no cost to somebody to say, I'm an environmentalist. There's not. Oh, I think that we should make sure that um, that we help the homeless. There's no cost to you in that. We need to help the homeless. If you say that, Unless you're giving money out of your pocket, there's no cost to you. And there is no money out of a lot of people's pockets when they do these little things where they want to be morally superior to you by saying, oh, I'm an environmentalist. Oh, I'm for helping the poor. Oh, I'm for helping this person and that person, this group and that group. Unless you are paying it out of your pocket, there's no cost to you. But a lot of these people that are for these stupid social policies, they're not willing to pay it out of their own pocket. You can tell because of the fact that they do not donate to charities. So there's no cost to the person who is saying, oh yeah, let's lock everybody down. I think that's the best solution. And there's not. I mean, there's a lot of cost to me saying, I don't think that lockdowns are okay because then if anything happens, like, and I've been wrong in the past, like, you know, back in April, I was saying that most likely this thing would fizzle out because I assumed that it would because that's the way the viruses are. But then again, I also knew in the back of my mind that the Spanish flu had two spikes, one in the one in the beginning and one in the, the next year in, in the winter as well. And I'm sure that this one's going to be very similar. But the Spanish flu eventually went away. Uh, you're going to have some sort of herd immunity that comes out of it as well. And that's the thing. is that You want to get to a point where there's herd immunity. And that's a natural, natural thing for the populations developed their herd immunity. It happens over time. So I am no scientist, but I just do, do, do hope that these politicians will be aware that there is a lot at stake for a lot of people when it comes down to doing the lockdowns. I have friends who have businesses that are struggling and hurting right now. And uh, I don't want to see them have any, you know, have any more challenges than they already will have. Because honestly, if you own a restaurant, then you're going to have less customers come there. 
if you own anything, you're going to have less customers going out when there's an environment of fear. So uh, let's not make it so that they have to shut down completely. Anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me for another look at 2020. This is Ray Ian, and this is your libertarian look at all things 2020. Uh, I appreciate those that continue to share the show with your friends. I do see the listenership going up. We're also seeing a double... I've doubled the number of listeners in the last week or two, so that's phenomenal. I appreciate that. Uh, share it with your friends. Give me a five-star rating review if you really like the show. I appreciate you doing that. Uh, go, on, go ahead and check me out, I Am The Empire, and I Am The Empire through Facebook and on Twitter as well, but IamTheEmpire.com is the website. And then the best thing you could do every single Monday and Thursday is to come on back so you can have clear vision for 2020. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty.